Today, we're talking to a multiple seven-figure seller whose Amazon business allowed him to take one whole year to travel around the world with his wife. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got somebody who I think is pretty, you know, fairly serious uh, as far as being a seller. <laughs> uh, we got Andrew. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, Bradley. Thanks so much for having me on here. Awesome. Now, are you? Didn't you uh, used to or currently live in San Diego? Yes. Yep. Yep. We are kind of neighbors, right? You're in Carlsbad, right? Uh, San Marcos, right next to Carlsbad. Yep. All right. So, San Marcos, yeah. So, so I are... could probably throw a stone and, and get close <laughs> to your house. You know, usually this morning I interviewed somebody from another country, but so it's nice to, to, to have somebody locally here and we're all just freezing ourselves to death because it actually is in the 60s. <laughs> I think, you in, know, I'm in San Diego. We're spoiled guys. I'm literally wearing a sweater right now because I could not handle how cold my house is. It's like 67. Yes, it's 67. like 50s yeah. and 60s guys. <laughs> that's like uh that's like, you know, somebody living in in Vancouver or something. That hey, that that's t-shirt weather, you know, for them, but for us it's it's freezing over here. But anyways, we're not here to talk about uh weather here, but um l- let's just get your backstory first of all. So were you born and raised here in Southern California, or you you uh, transplant from somewhere else? No, no, I actually was born and raised in New Mexico, at Las Cruces, New Mexico, so uh, the middle oh, of the okay. U.S. I love the uh, the the spicy food there. I bought a house once in um in Rio Rancho. I was going to live out there, but I never did. But I just love the food out there and everything. Uh, Las Cruces, that's where uh, isn't that where New Mexico State is? Yeah, very or, good. Actually, both my parents are professors there at New Mexico State. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. The Aggies? Yes. Yeah, very good. Yes. All right. Nice. I, I always test myself to see if I can figure <laughs> out what the, if I remember the mascot. I'm really into college sports, so I usually know a lot of these mascots here. Yeah, they, okay, they so won, uh, growing... you know, one thing that's great oh, about uh, NMSU football is that they won, uh, they won, uh, they're, they're number one in being mm-hmm. the worst football team in Division One football. I was about to say, where is this going? What <laughs> number one? I was like, <laughs> okay. So now growing up there, you know, of course, I think the stereotypical American might think about the first thing I think about New Mexico is like Breaking Bad or or whatever, you know, but growing up there uh, in New Mexico, you know, you're eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe what did you think you were going to be when you uh, grew up? You know, I, it was fun. I, I remember one of my early memories, maybe not when I was eight, maybe I was like maybe four or five. I thought I wanted to be a scuba diver that worked on a cruise ship that would dive down below, gather up the, the food below the cruise ship and then cook it up on the ship. I have no idea why I thought that was such a great career path, especially being in a landlocked New Mexico. But that, that was kind of what I wanted to do when I was really, really young. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Very interesting. See, that's the kind of things I like to hear. You know, sometimes people come on here. I always make fun of them and, and I always bring this out. But, you know, when I ask that same, I ask that same question to everybody. And sometimes I go, oh, I wanted to be an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of childhood did you have where your life ambition at that age was to be an accountant? My goodness. Anyways, that's the kind of stuff I, li- I like to hear. So now upon graduating high school, were you still in New Mexico or are you already here in California? No, actually, I moved to Colorado and went to school at uh, Boulder, Colorado, and I got a degree okay. in electrical engineering and applied mathematics. So, okay. So very different yeah. than your, your childhood dream. Yep. So at that point, like when you were making that your major, what was your ideal job at that point? Ah, uh, 
thought, you know, when I was beginning school, I wanted to work for a space company and launch satellites into space. I kind of thought it would be like a fun thing to do. And then I uh, kind of pivoted into more electronic stuff. And so I ended up uh, graduate. you know, that's why I went to the electrical engineering thing. And then I got a job with some big tech companies. And that's actually what brought me out to San Diego was the Qualcomm brought me out here. How does somebody go from, you know, working for a technology company like that to the e-commerce world? Well, you know, yeah, I wanted to get into the tech world, um, but really I wanted to get into entrepreneurship. And I wanted, I kind of heard all these stories mm. about like Steve Jobs um, and uh, Bill Gates kind of building their companies from their garage. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. I want to build a company myself and I want to uh, to just build, you know, from my garage, from my bedroom, from my living room, whatever it is. And uh, so I started doing a bunch of little entrepreneurial things. I had a couple of mobile apps that I wrote and I had some affiliate websites that I bought from Empire Flippers. Um, Empire Flippers is a great website, but the one I bought wasn't, didn't do that well because I didn't know how to run an affiliate website. And then uh, I kind of stumbled into Amazon like six years ago and I thought, huh, I can just like design products, mass produce them in Asia. And then there's this whole like algorithmic way to kind of launch it on Amazon now let's try this. And then that uh, ended up growing up into a, to now I guess a cumulative uh, multi seven figure seller with all my brands. So it, uh, it was a, uh, yeah. Now at that time, six years ago, sure. when you started, were you still working full time at Qualcomm? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I was, I was working full time at uh, Qualcomm and, and uh, doing this on nights and weekends. Um, I used to, okay. I shipped all my stuff here in San Diego to a local warehouse and I would uh, uh, change out of my business formal or semi-formal uh, clothes at lunchtime and then go <laughs> drive out to the warehouse with uh, with kind of workout clothes, pack up all the stuff, put it, put, you know, shipping labels on and stuff, send it to Amazon. And and then I would put my business attire back on and go back to work. And then that was how I did like work lunches and nights and weekends and just really hustled for a couple of years. Cool. Cool. Now. Now, at, at that time, uh, the, the first products you launched, like, uh, are you still selling that same exact first product now? Yeah, actually, it's a fun story. My first product, I'm still selling it today. Um, and wow. uh, that product, I actually handmade the first hundred pieces myself. And uh, there's a little workshop here in San Diego called Maker Maker Place, Maker Space, Maker Place. I think it's called Maker Place. And it's kind of like a gym where you pay a membership to be part of a um, uh yeah, you know, you you have access to all these machines at a gym, right? You pay 80 bucks a month or something for that access. Same thing, mm -hmm. but it's with wood and metalworking. And so I ended up making a few products that I sold on Etsy. And uh, uh, it was great. Like, it was fun learning how to how to work the machines and learning how to set up listings online and everything. And uh, but man, grabbing stuff and and literally cutting and screwing and twisting and mending everything together and then putting it in a box and doing customer service all myself was not super fun. It's a lot of work. And only on nights and weekends after a long day oh, yeah. of work at your yep. day job. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So then you made the transition to go ahead and find a, what, a factory in China to, to produce it for you or what was the next step? There? Yeah, exactly. So, so I kind of thought, well, let's try this Alibaba thing. I, I had been learning about Amazon and Alibaba and I thought maybe I can get them to do this stuff for me. And I did. And it worked. And I, you know, I bought 2000 units and brought it into the US. And uh, the, the first first I'd been pretty su fairly successful on Etsy. And uh, I even had people working in my garage packing stuff up. And and I it was my first time I hired someone in the Philippines to do customer service. And then I got that order from from China, sent it straight to Amazon. And it is so much easier. How long into your e commerce there with Etsy and Amazon? Did the thought even enter your mind of like, 
you know what? I could see a path where this is what I would prefer to do full time than than my you know my day job. Um, I kind of thought the entrepreneurial thing would work eventually. I just got to also for even day one, you were like, "Hey, this is the goal here." Yeah, yeah. I mean, not necessarily mm. like Etsy is how I'm going to leave my day job. I just thought yeah. like eventually I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get a business. I'm going to find something that's going to support me full time. And uh, now will I become a mega millionaire? I don't know. But like I figured at some point I can I can find something to, to make it work. OK, OK. Now, that original path, you, you just said that, hey, you know, people could do it. But obviously Etsy is, is bigger than ever before. And, and, and now there's like different technologies out there. You know, here in 2021, you know, uh, starting to make your own products, you know, in your own house or your own garage to get started before you go and, and you know, go all in like with a. Uh, you know, a, a big purchase order from a Chinese factory. This is still probably, would you say, is a, a viable uh, method that people could use to get started in e-commerce? Sure. Yeah. If you don't mind doing it as a hobby and you're not expecting to make like serious money at it um, and you want to just make a little scratch on the side, maybe a couple hundred bucks, uh, you know, maybe a couple thousand in, inside of a year. Um, and, and also maybe if you just like doing it, you don't have to make profit on everything. You just do it for fun. Right. Kind of like a, like to call it a hobby for profit. Right. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. So, all right, so there we'll definitely make some content, guys, uh, about that in the future about how to how to do some of those things. It's super interesting. Barkus over here at Helium Ten has been doing a little side project where where he bought this just one hundred fifty dollar or two hundred dollar three D printer, and and he found that he can make some stuff that people are, are are crushing it on Amazon. So that's like a whole separate topic. But then going back to the Amazon, then did you like early on set like uh, a a profit goal? For your Amazon and Etsy business that would have allowed you to quit your day job? Or was it just kind of like, let me just see when the feeling is right? Um, I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy. I love numbers. I have my engineering degree and, I, and I, I do lots and lots of spreadsheets. And some people some people make fun of me for as being like the spreadsheet guy. So I have lots of different numbers all over the place when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, you know, it ended up being uh, when I went full time on Amazon, which was about three years ago, I I didn't really have like, this is a number I must hit this number. Um, I mm -hmm. just kind of thought, you know, if I can if I can see growth trajectory, if I can see a path forward, then I can uh, I can I can possibly make uh, make the shift onto full time entrepreneurship. And, you know, actually, uh, I started so, OK, so, you know, these businesses, they, they can like make a profit, but not actually have any cash, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. like, oh, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, OK, great. Hey, uh, according to the accountant, we made fifty thousand dollars or one hundred thousand dollars. That's that's fantastic. However, I also have fifty thousand dollars in inventory. And so the way the math, the account, I'm not an accountant, so don't take my advice on any of this stuff. But the way uh -huh. if I finish a year of fifty thousand dollars in inventory and I made, quote unquote, $70,000 that year. The government wants $20,000 in cash for taxes, but I don't have that much. Or maybe that might be all my cash. So that was the problem I had kind of for the first for the first two or three years. And then finally, I kind of built up enough cash reserves and stuff that I could I could both pay my taxes, give myself a small salary, grow the business, and, and go full time on it. Okay, cool, cool. Now... What was the situation with, were you, were you married at the time? Yeah, actually, okay, this is actually a really fun story. Okay, so what we, um, uh, I was getting ready to kind I was, I was thinking, okay, I think maybe I can go full time soon-ish. And again, I had my engineering mm -hmm. salary, so I kind of had to like at least match that before I could just kind of throw my okay. engineering career away. 
and uh, not throw it away, but, you know, pause it at least. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my wife and I were talking about like, well, if I go full time what this and that, and, and uh, we had just gotten married and uh, she said, well, I want to do something big, crazy, and audacious before we have kids. And I said like, well, okay. well, like what? And she said, how about travel for a while? Um, and so we talked about it for a while and, and we kind of came up with the, with the uh, plan to travel for an entire year. So now this one year, you know, I know obviously, you know, some countries are 10 times as expensive as other countries, but what would you say the average was of what it costs you to, you know, between the, the travel expenses, whether it be local or airplane, you know, your meals, your, your, uh, your, you know, Airbnbs or, or hostels or whatever, and transportation, all that stuff, like per month that year, like, you know, how, what was your budget or how much uh, did it cost you to live that lifestyle for them? Yeah. You know, it's surprising. It can be a lot cheaper than you expect. Um, uh, okay. We ended up again with 32 countries. Right. And we went to some really expensive places, went to London and, and um, uh, Tel Aviv is a pretty expensive place. And uh, I can tell you the entire year we spent sixty four thousand dollars for two people, two adults. We had Airbnbs. We uh, were uh, we had, that's all of our airfare, food, entertainment, recreation, all that fun stuff. Now, did you have sixty four thousand dollars cash saved up, or were you also, you know, throughout this time, you were still getting your income from Amazon, and that was what uh, a big, big part of this? Exactly. We did have some good savings, so we had we had kind of you know just a, a good emergency fund, right? And uh, we were just running the business. So we ran the business, the business cash flowed and paid for our, our life. And uh, we, you know, we just, we pulled 4,000 a month out of the business to kind of do basic, basic uh, living expenses. And then we'd pull out another 5,000 here and there for little things. Like when we spent a week on a yacht in, in Croatia, we're just like, well, we need a little bit extra for that week, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And how, at this point, you had like uh, you said you had support staff that that was running parts of your Amazon business. Yes. Okay. That's one thing all listeners should do. Just hire someone. Start practice. Even if you don't really need that person to help you right now. First of all, you probably do need that person to help you. But second of all, mm -hmm. just start hiring people and start start like practicing. <laughs> you know, hiring and delegating and stuff. And uh, we we did have we have a full time person in the Philippines. Um, I, uh, and then we have kind of two other support staff people who work, um, almost full time for us. And then, uh, and then my wife and I, of course, were, were working on the business too. So we were, yeah. So how, how many hours a week, uh, you know, on the, while you guys were on the road for this year, would you have to be dedicating to, to, uh, you know, finding new products or, or, or checking in with your team and things like that? How much time were you actually putting into your Amazon business while you were on the road? You know, we, we would do, we would kind of hole up for a little bit and say, we'd kind of sit in an Airbnb, one that had like nice internet connection. And I would work 12 hours a day um, during those, during, you know, for maybe three or four days in a row. And then we'd take four or five days off and okay. maybe just check email like once a day kind of thing. Um, but we could, we could go, you know, three, four days without checking emails or Slack or anything else like that. Cumulative, though, I would say on average, I was working 25 to 30 hours a week, and my wife was working maybe 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, throughout this whole year, what, was there any moment where you're like, oh, my goodness, this is an emergency. I have to get back to the U.S.? I mean, obviously, you didn't because, like you just said, you were gone from July to July. But did you come close to like, oh, man, maybe we should go back? Well, you know what's funny? Um, the the big reason, that I, just to truncate the story, I didn't talk about the uh, the tax advantages of leaving out the of living outside the United States. 
Um, when we were talking about this long-term travel, we originally thought, let's do eight months. We'll do a summer in San Diego, right? San Diego's a nice, nice spot, right? We'll do summer in yeah. San Diego. We'll, we'll travel for eight months. I don't know where, but we'll, something, somewhere. And then we'll come back and have a nice summer in San Diego. So kind of summer, travel, summer, right? And yeah. uh, I started, uh, I started kind of like reading about how to do long-term travel, and I found this blog that said, oh, hey, you know, if you are a U.S. citizen and you have, quote, earned income or like a W-2 uh, income, you don't have to pay income tax if you travel for 330 days. So 11 months outside the United States, no income tax. Hmm. And I thought, oh, my God. OK, OK. I told Allison, my wife, OK, we're not doing eight months. We are doing 11 months and we are not coming back to the United States for 11 months straight. Interesting. Interesting. That's that. And so how much would you say that saved you? Well, I can tell you because <laughs> I, again, I'm a numbers guy, right? Uh, yep. We spent, like I said, we spent about $65,000, $64,000, on the year abroad, and we saved $70,000 in taxes. Wow. So I like to wow. say- so it's basically a free, almost a free vacation there. Uh, well, I like to say that we, uh, we had 100% savings rate that year because our it. tax bill paid for our entire, uh, entire trip abroad. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys, quick break from this episode for the BTS. Bradley's 30 seconds. Here's my 30 second tip. Uh, it's a feature that's actually been out for a few months and I didn't even realize it was there until a few weeks ago. But you know how on actual product pages, there's a lot of, you know, obviously frequently bought together, but then there's a lot of sponsored ads as well. Well, if you'd like to start keeping track of some of the, the products that show up there in the sponsored ads and frequently bought together, Although the frequently bought together, as you guys know, you can do that from black box product targeting tab, but to get both the frequently bought together and the sponsored ads right there at any given time, just go to that product page, hit the Chrome extension from Helium 10, and then hit ASIN grabber. And that will grab all of the ASINs that are showing up there that are displaying right on that page. And you can actually download it into a CSV file. You've been talking about how, you know, you have a very analytical mind because of your, your engineering background and and it seems like, you know, you're very particular when it comes to, you know, taxes and, and, and how to, to calculate your profit and things like that. So what in what ways would you think that you uh, might be more advanced or, or different thinking like you, the, some of the advanced things that you think about and that you think have helped you because of the way you look uh, from an analytical viewpoint, as opposed to the average seller out there who, you know, might not have an engineering background and might. You know, they, they might, you know, have some good strategy with keyword research and product research, but they might be leaving money on the table because, you know, they're they're not like on your level of financial expertise, let's say. Um, um, well, I do have an accountant. So, again, I think you should hire for everything. People need you need people around you to help you. So so if you're not great, if you're great, if you're not good at books and taxes and stuff, hire an accountant. If you are great at books and taxes, it's OK. You should still hire an accountant. Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, in terms of like things I do different, I guess I, I do love numbers and I, I love helium 10. Right. And I uh, do keyword research. Um, I think a lot of people kind of use these techniques, but, but I, uh, I can definitely validate that they are, that these techniques work really well. So using mm -hmm. Cerebro and doing a reverse ASIN search and kind of pulling, when you're looking at certain categories to go into pulling down all the keyword research and then doing a kind of an analysis of who, what, what are the top keywords for your competitors or potential competitors. And then, um, 
I like to use a, like a relevancy rank thing. And so Helium 10 includes okay. a little bit of it, but you can actually pull them to a spreadsheet and do a, use like a count ifs. I'm probably getting way too geeky right now. But oh, you, <laughs> you can use a count if statement and figure out like how many of your competitors are ranking at certain levels. So I like to look at what the, how many competitors are ranking in the top 10 on the first page and then ranking at all for certain keywords. And that just really kind of, that method really lets you understand what kind of keywords people are using and and how to go about um, how, how you can rank for those keywords as well. Okay. All right. I, I, I lo we love this. Uh, you know, that's why we're called serious sellers uh, <laughs> over here. We got to have some serious strategies uh, here too. And we, we uh, if everybody already knows every single thing that the guests talk about, well, then there's no point for this because, you know, there, nobody's learning anything, but we want to we want to learn new strategies and, and things that can definitely help. So what are some other things? You know, you talk a little bit about your keyword research there. And what about what other things can can help, a, you know, an Amazon seller's bottom line? Because it, it's not like, you know, you've been selling on Amazon six years and you clearly can see the difference of six years ago. Maybe, maybe you didn't have tools, you know, like Helium 10 back then. So some things were more difficult. But at the same time, like you, you, you could like, quote unquote, luck into success a lot easier back then just because it was like the wild, wild west. But nowadays, it's not impossible to, to make profit. Every, I mean, more people than ever are having success on Amazon, but you really have to have your ducks in a row. Uh, your margin of error is a lot less. You have to work harder, it sometimes seems. So everybody wants you know little strategies here or there that, that's gonna, at the end of the day, make sure that, hey, somebody's making a profit on Amazon. So what are some things that you can help out with other than that keyword research tip? There? Yeah, I love uh, product design. Um, I love coming out with new things. And yeah, I do have an engineering degree, but a lot of these basic concepts of design and, and uh, building new things are, are pretty basic. You don't need to have some fancy whatever degree to, to do it. Um, a big thing that I love is just going into Etsy and finding products that are selling well and doing well on Etsy. And you can generally kind of tell from rank and also reviews um, on on uh, uh, those listings on on Etsy to figure out kind of like what what's doing better than other stuff, and I use that stuff on Etsy to inspire me to make new products, and so uh, I never wholesale just rip people off, right? I, I look I like yeah. look at a bunch of stuff. I, I like to say like it's kind of like if you read Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, and what's another sci-fi show? What the Isaac Asimov sci-fi uh, stories, right? And you just like, okay, yeah. I'm going to read all these different fantasy books and, I'm, and then I'm going to write my own book, right? You can still have orcs. You can still have magicians, right? You, uh -huh. uh, But you just write your own story, right? So yeah. I have to think of the same thing with Etsy and Amazon. And you can look at certain things and get inspired and then uh, come up with your own product. In fact, I think you, Bradley, right? You That's kind of how you guys did the, the coffin shelf, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 So Etsy, Pinterest, you know, see what's out there trending. So what? how do you determine, like... You know whether you're looking on Etsy or whether you're looking on Amazon, there's there's like a line that has to be drawn. Like, if something is already obvious that it is trending and people like it, well, okay, now you know there's demand. Like you said, you don't want to just you know do a hundred percent the same exact thing. But at the same time, where do you draw that line with? Okay, hey, I'm differentiating this a little bit, but I'm not doing it so much so that now it's kind of up in the air if people really want this product or not. Yeah, and that's kind of the art part I think of this, and it's not really. Uh, much of a there's not really a science of like well this is exactly it's it's different enough but not but close enough right that's <laughs> it's like hard to measure that yeah but um yeah I think it's, that's that's definitely the art part so you generally so I like to think so most people purchase through keyword search 
right? I think there's some stat yeah, for okay. 80% mm-hmm. or something like that. People type into the, the search bar on Amazon and they buy that way, right? And if they don't technically do that method, they probably started with that method and then maybe clicked on an ad or something like that later, right? So you, yeah. you want to kind of think about how are, what are people searching for? And, and of course, the Helium 10 tools tell us like what people are searching for. But then what's the intent behind that search? So if they type in small dog carrier, well, is it a carrier for small dogs or is the carrier itself small or is it, uh, you know, like <laughs> what exactly is it that that's the, the, that's small, right? In that case, of course, it would be a carrier targeted at dogs that are maybe I don't know, 12 pounds, right? And so you want to know like the intent of what people are searching for. So when you go to Etsy and Amazon and look at these other products, especially when you're kind of coming from off, off Amazon, so Etsy, Pinterest, um, uh, Wayfair, uh, UniqueGifts.com, all these like really cool little niche websites, HomeDepot.com. Uh, you can you can see those products that sell well, and you come back onto Amazon and look for search terms that have like that intent behind them. So, how how do you like at the end of the day though? How do you know that, or how do you have confidence that your research is what is happening? So, so when you have these competitors are really close to your product and the, yeah. the keywords are there and you can kind of see like, you know, uh, these, these 10 guys that are on that you pulled through Cerebro, you, you maybe, you know, seven of them are ranking on page one, right? So there's definitely some high relevancy there. Um, and then you have to kind of look and see, okay, these keywords are ranking for these guys. Is it possible for me to rank? Also, if I make this little tweak, if I change the color, if I change the mm-hmm. size, if I change whatever it is about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked so far uh, a little bit about uh, product research, you know, how to find the the ideas. Uh, we're talking about, you know, product differentiation, you know, that that probably has to be do the stage of, of when you're trying to develop your actual product before you actually make it. What about a uh, launch? So mm-hmm. what are some of your strategies that you think that you might be doing a little bit differently that, than others or, or that you really double down on and that you definitely feel is a, a part of the, or a big part of the reason of your success. Okay. So I would say there's, there's like the technical part and there's kind of like the, well, I, you know, you can build the business up and make launching easier. Right. So I'll do the, the kind of like mm-hmm. semi-technical part first. So I always look for search terms that are between 1000 searches a month and 10,000 searches a month and, uh, and are highly relevant. And highly relevant to me means that when you search for them, only your direct competitors are on the first page. So if you did like a kitchenware, well, that's not going to be highly relevant because kitchenware means a lot of things. It means blenders. It means it means uh, spatulas. It means microwaves. Who knows? Right. Um, But if you type in red garlic press. Well, I guarantee that's likely going to only be garlic presses and probably 90 percent of them are going to be red. when you do that. Right. So that's a highly relevant keyword. So I look for those highly relevant keywords and they're, and I look for ones that have search volume of 1,000 to 10,000 searches a month. Uh, if you're using search frequency rank, which is the brain analytics thing, that is, mm-hmm. I think I have it written down. I think it's uh, 15,000 to 200,000 um, search frequency okay. rank. So if you want to, if you, you know, Helium 10 does that for you, but if you want to look up on brain analytics yourself, you can do that. Um, and then we do a combination. We do a, we, we do a, Combination of PPC launch and also uh, a rebate launch, and the rebates. Uh, so, so yeah. the, just take. What about that first mm-hmm. part there? That you said the PPC launch. So, like when you 
when you have something that's a, a launch optimized campaign for PPC, what does that mean? Does that mean like you're 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 bidding really high and have a high budget because you just want to show up in as many circ, uh, situations as possible for that keyword at the very top? Or, or what is your PPC launch strategy like? We pick 30 to 50 highly relevant keywords or, or medium high, because sometimes it's hard to find like highly, highly relevant keywords. So medium, medium high, uh, 50, 30 to 50. And we bid, we bid aggressive, but not insanely aggressive. We're not doing like $5 clicks. We're doing maybe a, mm. uh, uh, Dollar fifty two dollar clicks, or that's what our bid is set okay. to, right? And uh, we usually have an ACOS like over a hundred percent our first week, so so pretty bad ACOS. But that's because we're buying data from Amazon, right? We are, mm -hmm. you know, after a few days, we start cutting some of the keywords that are doing really really poorly, or just bidding down lower on them, and then we're just trying to get as many sales as possible. And I'm not looking to make a huge profit on PPC. In fact, I'm looking to lose money on PPC. I just want impressions and I want yeah. purchases. I don't really care so much about like how much um, it's it it costs the first the first few weeks. And we just want to get there. And what we're focusing on is getting impressions, getting sessions, and getting rank for our certain keywords. Okay, okay. And then, what's your uh, rebate uh, strategy like? Is it always simultaneous that you're you're doing some search find buys on those same exact keywords that you're targeting, so you can kind of just you know, yeah, ha have purchases coming from multiple different uh, you know locations, or or is, do you isolate it? It's like, hey, uh, I have this set of keywords and I'm doing a PPC launch, and these other this other set of keywords I'm doing rebates. Yeah, well, that's one thing we cheat a little bit, um, cheat in a good way. <laughs> we have uh -huh. uh, we have a. Pretty decent Instagram following, uh, so six thousand people, and and they seem to be fairly passionate about what we're producing. And uh, we reach out to uh, kind of small influencers and have them help with with launches. And we have, of course, our own audience, and we have a couple thousand people on email and a couple thousand people on ManyChat. So we have a cumulative audience of um, of like direct direct market audience of like fifteen thousand people. So when we come out with new stuff, we, we actually ask them beforehand. That's one thing we do, one way we do product research. If we just ask the audience, what do you want? What colors? What new thing do you want, right? And let us make, let, let us produce that and make it better and make it the best thing possible to deliver to you guys, our audience. And so we already, we already kind of engage these people and ask them what kind of stuff they want. And then when they say, oh, I want the red one. Oh, I want the big one. Oh, I want the whatever, the, 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 the small one, whatever, right? We tag them and say, you know, then, then, you know, four or five months later, when we come out with that product, we'll say, hey, do you remember back when you said you wanted the red one? Guess what? We have the red one now. What about maintenance mode for PPC? All right. Launch stage is over. You're on page one for most of those keywords you wanted and, and you got some organic sales coming in. How do you change your PPC campaigns to, to kind of be in the the evergreen um, mode, as it were. Yeah, so we set our we set our PPC to our profit margin. So let's just say it's thirty five percent to make the math easy, right? So um, uh, it's thirty five percent profit margin. That's what we set our A cost to. We have three rules that we want to get to. Oh, first let me let me talk about how we go from launch to maintenance. So we generally our A cost is terrible the first week, and then the second week it's still pretty bad. And then we go into we try to get our launch done and kind of ranking and doing well inside of a month. Um, and then on that like month, uh, kind of week four, week five, we start trying to get into maintenance mode, as you call it, right? And uh, we definitely want to hit our numbers 
around week eight is kind of like that we should have been properly launched and we should start like actually turning a profit now around that like week six, week eight time. And uh, that uh, um, so to get there or so when we get there, then we have three rules that we use for PPC. And those three rules are a cost set to profit margin. So in this case, we'll just say 10 percent. Uh, oh, sorry, 35 percent, 35 percent. Second rule is tacos or total ad yep. spend is 10 percent. And the third rule is we want one third of our sales coming from advertising and two thirds coming from, from organic rank. All right, guys, that sound means it's time for our CAT, our cat of the episode, which stands for Clubhouse After Party Tip. Once a week, we go live on the Clubhouse app and we bring back former Serious Sellers podcast guests, take live questions from you, and they give you their best tip out there. So every episode, we're going to be giving you guys clips from these episodes that we've been doing on Clubhouse so that you can get some great strategies from our former guests. Now, if you guys have that Clubhouse app, make sure to search for the Club Serious Sellers Podcast and follow it so that you can be notified when we go live. And you can also follow me on there, H10 Bradley. This clip, we had actually two guests, Leo and Paul, in the Clubhouse, and people asked them questions about chatbot marketing and Facebook marketing. And so here's a clip. Uh, if you want to listen to their original episodes, Leo is 2.30 and Paul is 2.17. When we, we are running rebate campaigns on, on, on ManyChat and, uh, you know, we are doing the whole search find by stuff, can we some, somehow ex exclude those people that are basically looking for, for only the, the freebies so they have this very low quality um, customer core basically on, on Amazon because if they leave a review, you know, Amazon might suspect if we, if we do too many rebates or, or something like that. So can we exclude somehow those, those people by, by some sort of specific targeting maybe? I'm going to pitch, I'm going to pitch Convo Matt here so Leo doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> I just started using it, uh, actually connected with Leo because of uh, Clubhouse, Bradley, we did we did an elite helium 10 elite training and i started using Convomat. um so this is my own opinion i'm not getting paid anything at all i love it it's a really good tool he has a blacklist of about 1.3 million people 1.5 something like that of people that are known giveaway seekers or rebate scammers so that's one method the other way that you can do is you can have negative match audience and build your own blacklist as well so negative match audience you could have any anything that has to do with giveaways or freebies. You can exclude from targeting on Facebook. And really, the, the best way to target people is from lookalike lists or previous customers that have already purchased. And so this is what why I personally am not the biggest fan of rebates because it dirties my list. I don't I don't want to advertise to people that have gotten something for free. I want to make sure that I always exclude those. And so it's not that they're not good. You just need to make sure that when you're when you're selling products, you take that into consideration that if you're building a lookalike from past purchasers, that that purchase matters. Um, you know whether or not they got a rebate really really matters. Um, and so that's the best way that you can avoid this. But I'll kick it over to, to Leo. I'm sure you can speak more to this than I than I ha than I already have. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate the feedback and um, the kind words about combo math. Um, Luke Roberts, this is my, one of my favorite probably topics in, um, in, in the Amazon industry. I spent a lot of time 
trying to build that blacklist as well as identifying perfect strategy, almost perfect strategies to eliminate as much of these known reviewers, um, scammers, bad actors from your flows. I think that's probably one of the most important uh, pieces of this puzzle that you should be focusing on. Almost everything you said there, we can uh, we can do you know using the ads tool in Helium Ten and. I just, you know, I'm like newbie when it comes to yep. UPC, <laughs> only since ads came out. I was like, I, I never wanted to deal with that stuff, but because of all these, you know, and probably somebody out there is might listen to like, what in the world? Tacos, yep. <laughs> and, you know, what's going on here? But guys, you know, it, it, it it's a lot to do, but, but don't let it overwhelm you. These are very important aspects of your Amazon business and, 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 you know, Helium 10 obviously can help uh, a little bit uh, with that. But uh, even if you don't have Helium 10, don't just say, oh, nope, I'm not going to worry about this. No, uh, understand why tacos is important and and why it's important to to keep your ACOS at, at certain levels like Andrew is talking about. All right, what what else, you know, we, we've hit, I would say, you know, the major aspects of the Amazon journey, but before we get into our 30-second tip, what, what's maybe one more thing of any one of these aspects that you think that you're doing differently than, than the majority of people out there? And again, it is just part of the reason for your, your success, not just for multiple seven figures, but the kind of success that, allows a couple to, to to just take off and travel the world, you know, because their Amazon business is so good. Um, I think it's uh, in terms of traveling and taking off and making sure this this uh, this business doesn't turn into a, this is monster of a job. It turns into something fun and, and um, enlightening is is uh, having a team, having people there to help you and having having, you know, hiring people who are both assistants who need training, but also people who are smarter than you and having them help you with things. So we have uh, we have our full time assistant in the, in the Philippines who does most of the work for us, and we have a graphics guy who's fantastic. He's also Philippines based, and another Philippines based guy who is uh, our PPC guy, and we just track everything based on like scorecards and metrics, just to uh, just so we can kind of manage the team with that, right? And like I said, I'm a numbers guy, so I like seeing scorecards. Now, obviously, I'm, these are humans we're working with, so there's lots of nuances there too. But we just like to make sure we hit our certain metrics and hit our certain scores on kind of a weekly basis. And so um, to have a scalable business, you need to have people help you. All right. Now, you know, you've been selling a product for, for almost six years, and I'm sure you, you, you have tons more products that you've been building out on this brand. Now, all the rage these days, the last couple of years is like, hey, you know, uh, sell your company for a huge payday and either, you know, live off the earnings that you get from it or, or start all over again. Like, is that something that's that's crossed your mind at all to, to actually have an exit from your brand? We are right in the middle of an exit right now. So like, yeah. I, oh, wow. You nailed it. So you nailed it, Bradley. Uh, good timing. <laughs> good timing. No, like, isn't it true, though, that like three years ago, you never heard, I mean, I'm sure, of course, people, it was still happening, but like you never heard of it at the level that we're hearing now where it's so mainstream it's to think about, hey, you know, maybe I could sell my 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 business to an aggregator or something. Well, and I'll tell you what exactly you're right. And I was, I was, we kind of, we talked about selling our business before, but like three years ago, it, it was, they were trading at like two and a half X annual profit. And I thought two and a half X, I could just let it ride in the background and work 15 hours a week and just let it go. And, and then I'll still have my business in two and a half years. Right. So I kind of thought that was mm -hmm. a weird number. But now the multiples have creeped up to three and a half, four X, which again, you can still make the same yeah. argument. Oh, four X. Like why not just let it, why not just let it sit in the background? But there's like all these other things too that go into selling. Uh, for us, we have a little bit of a, like a cash 
IL, just a just kind of like a run, runny, uh, rainy day fund. And we don't need that anymore if we sell yeah. the business. Also, they give us a check for our inventory, like on day one. And I'm like, oh, hey, like we, you know, we get these like this nice inventory check. And then um, they also that forex multiple that's not on your actual profit that's on on your or your taxable profit that's on what they call seller's discretionary earnings. Have you looked ahead a- after this? You know, as long as it everything goes through and everything's good, are you gonna take another year long trip out there? Or are you gonna start again on building a new brand or what? What's next? What's next? Well, we have a little this? baby. She's eleven months old right now, so she uh, she makes it a little bit more difficult to travel around the world with. So uh, we're probably anchored in San Diego for quite a while. We'll, we'll definitely travel, but, okay. but just a little bit harder with a baby, right? Um, yeah. No, actually, we started up a we started up another brand last year, uh, kind of the middle middle of 2020, and that brand we've gotten that up to the point where we are, I guess, mid mid six figures or whatever. I don't know, whatever it is uh, per month, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, sorry, mid six figures annual, not not monthly on that on that brand. Yeah. Um, and uh, that one is at the point where it can pay for our very basic minimal lifestyle uh, expenses. And then we'll just, when we sell the business, our, our bigger brand, we'll just bank all that money and just put it in boring things like stock index funds and real estate and other kind of boring things like that. Cool, cool. All right, well, you, you've been giving us uh, tips and strategies throughout this whole episode, but we have something on the show we call that, or the TST 30-second tip. So what's something you haven't mentioned yet can say maybe 30 seconds or less, highly actionable, pretty unique, very valuable for our listeners out there. I have a good one for you. If you have any following at all, any audience, any social media, anything, especially Instagram, we do this on Instagram. We we set up a poll on Instagram. It's like when the stories, you do a poll and you just say, hey, have you bought one of our products before? Yes or no? That's it. Just set that up. Let it run for 24 mm-hmm. hours or whatever, however long they run for and then look at the number of people or look at all the people who have said yes to that poll. And you know, maybe it's one, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 200, whatever it is, right? Uh, go and send them a DM, a direct message, and ask them for an honest review. Okay. okay. That is within terms of service because these are, mm-hmm. you're, you're not incentivizing, you're not, uh, you're not stealing, you're not whatever, right? You're talking to your yep. real audience who bought your real product and you're asking them for an honest review. We do this and that adds another uh, 20, 30 reviews every every uh, three months or so when we do this. So it's a quick, easy, honest way. And you know they're following on Instagram. They're probably a fan of yours. You're probably going to get a five star, right? So yeah. it, it's really easy for anybody who has an audience to do that. That's awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much. Now. I'd love to reach out to you maybe in a year or so to see how this uh, exit went and, and how your new business is growing. And, and then maybe your kid will be a little bit older so you can, you know, start traveling in. That that would yep. be crazy. Like, for me. like I ha- my kids are all old already. Like I, I couldn't imagine having to be like uh, restricted down here the last like the last year we have because of COVID. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll love to see you again, hopefully soon at one of these upcoming uh, meetups. Uh, if somebody wants to, you know, reach out to you or, or you know, about these meetups or just anything in general, to, to pick your brain about something, how can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, out there? I'm all over uh, social media. So my Instagram is the Andrew Erickson. Uh, if you want to see lots of pictures of my baby, that's a good place to find those um, on Facebook. Okay. And then uh, my email is Andrew at titanmembers.com. And you can send me an email. I'm happy to chat with anybody who wants to, who wants to chat with me. 
Oh, oh, and also, oh, oh, I forgot awesome. to tell you, I also <laughs> have a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah so we, <laughs> how can they find that? So uh, uh, it's funny, Bradley. So we we uh, there was a there was this big poll that happened. Um, uh, Danny McMillan, who has a serious, or sorry, the the Seller Sessions podcast, he had a poll uh, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, awards award for the best podcast, and of course, Serious Sellers won number one. And the Amazon Conversations podcast, the ZonCon podcast is mine. We won number two. So we like to say, we're nice. number two. We're number two. <laughs> so, Freddie, you're number one. We're number two, I guess, according to what? Well, well hopefully they, 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 <laughs> they, they got your spelling right. Two years in a row, we got that. And on the plaque, it says Serious Seller yeah. <laughs> podcast. But it's Serious Sellers with an S. It's like, come on, guys, get There's it right. There's more than one of us. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on the show. And like I said, we'll definitely, uh, you know, like to get an update on what's going on in your, in your life, uh, maybe next year or or thereafter. And and wish you the best of success. How cool is that? Pretty cool. I think. <laughs> thanks, Bradley.